You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show. Along with Rob Weinberg, I am Gary Byron. Rob, good to see you there, my friend. Good to see you, Gary. It's been a little bit now. I feel like it's been uh, close to a month yes, that you yes. and I have been in it's, the... Uh, it's, been a, it's been a while. I know. Well, last a couple weeks ago, uh, I was out ill. Last week I was out ill. Uh, you had uh, producer extraordinaire Ryan Roberts. Oh yeah, it was in. a great time with Ryan for sure. Good, good man for the job. Hard, hard to multitask though when you're hosting the show right. and pressing the buttons. Oh yeah, and I don't know how you're able to get that. Done. And then what? Two weeks before that, you were away, right? Or I was. You know, <sighs> we did a couple of my favorite shows as repeats on the air here. Right. So always nice to bring back some of the most popular shows for our newer listeners. How do you come up with that? Because they're all pretty darn informative. Uh, you know, we get a lot of mail and email in, so people tell me what they like and Good. don't like as well. <laughs> we also get a lot of comments online on the uh-uh. post. So going off of what people, what resonates with people and what they really want to see and what they want to hear about. And there's just certain shows that get a ton of response and then some that don't get that much. So we definitely want to be bringing value and a lot of knowledge. So the ones that get that high energy from our listeners, those are the ones that I, you know, asterisk a little bit and say, hey, these are the ones we could bring back. But today I want to talk about something new though, Gary. So, okay. Can I just ask you one question before we move into today's show? So you actually take note of every show you you compile data in in listener response and feedback yeah well also because we have the connecticut real estate edge podcast right no i know that and the podcast platforms were on every single one of them and they track downloads so i also can go on and see what are the most downloaded shows and those are the ones that i know people want to hear more about gotcha all right so today i uh we, we can we can delve right into this uh it's it's we're gonna Talk about jumpstarting your personal finances. Right. Has this has this been a, a an area of concern for a lot of your it has been. clients? So yeah. what's happened is a lot of people have gotten scared lately about buying a home and refinancing and just dealing with their finances. And when I really drill down to why, it's because they don't have their personal finances in order. Mm. So I wanted to do an entire show to dive into jumpstarting your personal finances, which really lends itself to getting ready to buy a home and getting ready to move into that next phase of your financial life, investing in real Mm -hmm. estate, Mm -hmm. uh, investing in stocks, 401ks, that sort of thing. So that's what we're going to dive into today for everyone is jumpstarting that that personal finance. All right. So let's start with this. Explain a little bit with what you mean about when you say to jumpstart your personal finances, because that seems like a really broad, you know, yeah, it is. And I, I toyed with different ideas for what to name it, but I felt jumpstart is what I'm trying to really portray to everyone is almost like a car getting jumpstarted. It's going from nothing. It's just going along, you know, maybe it's dead and you get those jumper cables on, you jump that thing up. And next thing you know, it's revving out. That's what we want to really do today with your personal finances. Most people deal with their personal finances on a day to day basis. So their money's coming in, 
it hits their bank account, and then money goes out. There's no real time to say, what should I do with that money? What's my long-term plan? I think the, uh, the main idea that people will understand is when we say paycheck to paycheck. Mm. So the money comes in, the money goes out. Right. Paycheck comes in, paycheck comes out, then you're waiting for the next one. Now, if you have a financial plan in place, if your personal finances are well-structured, paycheck to paycheck is okay because every dollar is allocated. But if you're in a position where you don't know where all the money's going and it's basically coming in and then what bills need to be paid? You start writing checks, you start paying online. Next thing you know, you got $3 left in your bank account and you don't have your financial goals accomplished. So that money in, money out, that's what we want to stay away from without a real plan. So you're going to need to take some initial action to get the ball rolling. Like we said, that analogy of jump starting a motor. And if you continue to do what you're doing right now, that day to day, paycheck to paycheck, you're going to keep getting the same results that we know 100%. So I want to instill in everyone today some ideas, some strategies that can be implemented immediately to get you from where you're at right now, which may not be where you want to be financially, to the point of actually creating wealth and becoming a success. What are, what are some of the small things? that someone can do to the, with their finances that could actually make a big impact? So there's a lot of different areas of personal finance and people get confused because there's so many different ways they can be going. Mm. So I wanna really focus in on four main areas. It's gonna be cash flow, debt, savings and investments. Depending on where you're at with your finances, one of these may be a huge issue and a couple of these you may not even be concerned about. I wanna go through each one one by one and talk about the small things you can be doing if these areas are of interest. So first thing is cash flow. What can you do to improve your cash flow? Couple different things I wanna give you a little ideas on. First of all is side hustles, side gigs, picking up another job, maybe getting overtime or something additional at your current job. Anywhere you can bring in extra money, even if it's only a few dollars here and there, it's going to compound over time and it's going to make a big difference. The other thing is a lot of people don't think about mortgage strategies with cash flow, but as we've talked about in many, many shows, refinancing your home, regardless of what the interest rates are doing, can be a great way to improve the cash flow in your life. So look at that as a potential option. If you're somebody that sees debt as a, as a hurdle, maybe it's credit card debt, medical bills, student loans, and whatnot. Let's really sit down and map out your debt and pay down your debt balances. Let's look at a debt consolidation, either a personal loan or a debt consolidation refi as a possible way to get that debt in check. Because what that's going to do is it's going to free up money on a monthly basis that you were spending on interest that then can be freed up to go to other areas like investing and paying other things down. Um, next idea is savings. If you're somebody that doesn't have a savings account, where can you start? It can be daunting, right? So the one big motive I want to give you is to get $1,000 into a savings account as soon as possible. It's what I call your starter emergency fund. Most emergencies in the United States can be handled with less than $500. That's the statistic. So if you have $1,000 in a savings account, it can really help you get through a day that you may have a financial emergency come up, a flat tire, something like that, and you need a little bit of money, you're going to be able to dip into that savings account, that emergency fund that you have in order to handle the issue instead of having to use credit cards, loans, and other instruments to take care of it. Now, ideally with the savings, you want to work towards a six-month emergency fund. So it's going to start with that $1,000, but if you already have that, then the next goal is going to be a six-month emergency fund. What is six months? Mm. Well, what I'm talking about is your personal 
fixed expenses on a monthly basis, your transportation costs, your housing costs, your utilities, your food, your necessities. What does that equal on a monthly basis? You might need to sit down and do a personal budget to see every dollar that's going out. Look at your last bank statement. Where did that money go? How much of it was luxury? How much of it was actual necessity fixed expenses? Look at the fixed cost, multiply that by six months. That's the amount that you really want to strive to have into your savings account and your long-term emergency fund. And the last one I want to talk about is investing. Once you've gotten cash flow in check, your debt is you know in a good spot and you've got that six-month emergency fund, next thing we want to look at is how are you going to invest? Investing is how people build wealth. You're not going to become wealthy, even if you make a lot of money every year, by just having it sit in your bank account and pay bills. You need to have that money working for you. So what I'm talking about is starting a 401k contribution. Mm. If you're not already contributing to your retirement plan, start now. I don't care if it's a $100 a week, do something, $50 a week, just get that ball rolling and set that up. The next thing would be if you have your uh, retirement set up, then we want to look at a taxable brokerage account. It's going to be like Fidelity, E-Trade, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade. Those companies will let you set up at no cost a brokerage account where you can buy and sell stocks, bonds, mutual funds, things like that. There is no minimum amount you can put in there. You could literally go and put four or $500 in there and start buying with it. That's what you want to get in the habit of is feeling empowered with your money, investing your money, and understanding the knowledge and education behind that so you know what your money is doing for you. Once you've actually done that and gotten that first step of investing done, then we can start looking at really cool strategies like passive real estate, Airbnb investments. Um, we can look at crowdfunding for real estate, which I've talked about in some different shows. Active real estate, which is going to be buying a primary home, buying rental properties, multifamily, that sort of thing. Where do you want to start with that? You want to get a plan of action together, get with a mortgage advisor, figure out what you need to do to get where you want to go. Obviously, some of this stuff is getting advanced, mm. but you can see where I'm going. Yeah, but how it. do you create a wealth team? Wealth team is a commonly misunderstood item because mm. a lot of people think I'm just going to do this myself, but you really need to have a team behind you. And when I step back and I look at my clients that have come to me that are seven, some even eight figure uh, net worth individuals, one commonality is they don't do it themselves. They really sit and let their advisors do the hard work and the heavy lifting for them. A wealth team is going to be comprised of a mortgage advisor a real estate professional or real estate uh, agent, a legal professional, uh, somebody that has a license to practice law in different areas, and then a CPA or a tax advisor. And last but not least is a financial planner, financial advisor. Now, this isn't something you're just going to throw together in a weekend. This is going to take time, right? So when you're starting out and you've got $500 in your brokerage account, you're not going to need a, a full-time financial advisor for that. But the guy that has half a million in his brokerage account, he is going to want that. So you want to work your way up. And when you're starting out, it may just be you, but then you start getting ready to buy your first home. You're going to loop in a mortgage advisor. You're going to loop in a real estate pro to help you with that transaction. That's the foundation of your wealth team. Then we're going to need a real estate attorney to help out with the closing. So we're now going to loop in an attorney that's got expertise in that real estate area. Now, long-term, you may get another type of attorney with estate planning, wills, probate, things like that. But for the foundation of the wealth team, it's really just going to be like a real estate or a general practice type of attorney. 
once you start owning assets in real estate and you have money coming in, you're going to want to start looking at tax strategies because anybody that has financial success was going to tell you one of the worst parts of it is having to pay the tax man every single year. And what you can do is consult with professionals that understand the tax code. They understand exactly the loopholes, the different ways that the wealthy can use it to their advantage, and they can help you set up those same strategies. Sometimes it's gonna be a certified, uh, like a CPA, or other times it's just gonna be a tax consultant or tax professional, but somebody that understands the tax code and has that track record. And then the last thing is, and probably the last person that you're really gonna add to that wealth team is gonna be a financial planner or a financial advisor. And the reason why they're gonna be last is because again, if you only have a small amount of money, a financial advisor probably isn't gonna benefit you from helping. What's the threshold there? I would probably say maybe twenty-five to $50,000. Once you have that amount in taxable mm. investments, it's probably a good time to start consulting with a financial advisor. So you wanna set up this wealth team so they can consult with one another as you make financial decisions and make sure the decisions you make on the real estate side aren't gonna ruin you on the tax side and vice versa. Also, when an issue comes up, which happens so often like a legal issue. You need somebody that you can bounce an idea off of. You don't want to go through the phone book and just start calling attorneys. You want to have someone that you have a relationship with. So this wealth team is crucial, and it's something you want to start building just from the ground up. What would be three things <clears throat> Excuse me, that somebody could do today, let's say, to, to set themselves up for, with a you know, with financial success? I... I know that everything we're talking about can be daunting, especially if you're starting from an area where you may have only a few hundred dollars in the bank to sure. start with. And we're talking about big ideas for big wealth. But let's really step back and talk about the top three things. Yeah. So first thing is you got to make sure that your budget is in the black. And what I mean by that is you need to have more money coming in than going out every month. If you're in a position where you have 5000 a month coming in and you have 5500 going out, then nothing that we're saying, nothing that we're doing and, and discussing today is going to help you at all. It's not going to make sense and it's not going to work long term. The foundation of financial success is more money actually coming in than going out. Then you have this margin that you can use to start building your savings, building investments, getting new real estate, getting other assets, but it all starts with that budget, as basic as it is. So figure, I mean, there's a lot of tools out there you can use, but on a basic sense, just get a spreadsheet or get a piece of paper and look at your last couple months bank statements and credit card statements and figure out how much money did you have come in mm -hmm. and how much money did you have go out. Once you've verified that you're in the black, I don't care if it's by $5, but as long as you have more money coming in than going out, then we can move to the next phase. If you don't have a situation where you're in the black and you're actually in the red and you're in deficit every month, then you really need to step back and look at your expenses. Where can you cut things to get into the black? Or can you start a side hustle? Can you start something else? Uh, can you bring in more cash flow that's going to help you get from the red to the black? So that's where that can come in. Once you've done that, then you want to move to that starter emergency fund. So now that you know that you've got your budget in check, let's get that emergency fund to $1,000. That is the absolute minimum because we know something's going to come up, a hot water heater breaking, a flat tire, something with the roof, whatever it may be, you're going to need money. And if you don't have that uh, starter emergency fund in place, what's going to happen is you're going to turn to debt. 
It's the easy way. You just swipe the card, you take out a loan, and then you end up going backwards instead of forward. So get that starter emergency fund in place no matter what it takes. If you have to eat at home ramen noodles for one month to get that emergency fund, you are going to do it because you want financial success. If you're not willing to do that, then unfortunately, you're not willing to do what it takes to actually achieve greatness when it comes to your finances. Now, once you have that in place, I would say the holy grail of these couple things you can do to jumpstart your finances is to start an automatic recurring investment. Every single week, every single month, you want to do that going into like a taxable brokerage account and or a 401k account with your uh, with your job or whoever coordinates that through where you work. The reason that you want to make it automatic is finances are like 80% emotional. Okay, so if it's not automatic, it's not going to happen. If we go and set it up one time and say we want X amount coming from this account to this account and it's done on a week, I do mine weekly. You could do yours monthly, but I suggest however often you get paid is how you want to line up these recurring investments. And as I said earlier, the amount doesn't matter. It could be $100 going from your checking account over to a brokerage account. It could be $200 going from your paycheck over to your 401k. But by getting that automatic investing in, it does a couple things. Number one, it takes the emotions out of it. And number two, it allows you to take advantage of something called dollar cost averaging or DCA. That means that sometimes the market is up, sometimes the market is down. But if you're investing at exact increments all the time consistently, you're going to benefit from the market being down because then when it goes up, you get that much higher return. You don't get that just when you try to put in $500 on a big payday and then do nothing for the next month or two. So this can really be a foundation for people's financial success. And there's many that would say simply by doing the automatic recurring investment into a 401k or taxable brokerage, that one idea alone could make you a millionaire, even if you ignore everything else. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can check him out online at uh, www.robgw.com. And his phone number, if you'd like to make an appointment, uh, 860-413-3938. We'll repeat that uh, more towards the end of the show. Um, where does buying a home, though, of fit within someone's personal finances and their framework for it. I know that when we're talking about this financial foundation and this is a show about mortgage and real estate, you're going, where's the home in this? Well, whole yeah, thing? that's what I was thinking. When I'm listening to you and they all, everything makes sense. I listen and, and, the, and the market right now is volatile. We can talk to a Very. financial advisor and he'll say, timing is everything and you, you want to buy low and so on and so forth. And it's, but how low mm -hmm. are we going to go? Nobody's got a crystal ball. But and so I'm listening to you and a lot of this stuff makes sense. But I'm, then I'm thinking, let's interject real estate into this because I'm hearing multiple things as well. Are housing prices coming down a little bit now that interest rates are going mm -hmm. up or are people still asking for are there still bidding wars going on? Right. So as far as where real estate fits in, first of all, real estate can't be an emotional decision for you. You don't want to be buying or selling real estate simply based off whether you think it's a good time to buy or a bad time to buy or sell. So what we really want to look at is where are you at in your life? And where does real estate fit into that? If you're right out of college, you don't have a family and you don't have money saved, then buying a home at that point may not be a good idea. But if you've been cooped up in an apartment for several years, your wife's pregnant with your first child, you only have a one bedroom and need a two bedroom, it doesn't matter what the market is doing. You need to buy a home, don't you? So we can't look at, oh, the rates are too high. Oh, the home values are going to crash. That doesn't make sense to buy a home. 
We need to look at your personal situation and the chapter that you're at in your life. And then we can kind of create this financial plan around that. So buying a home shouldn't be the first thing. And while we're on the topic of jumpstarting personal finance, this is jumpstart from the ground up. This is taking somebody that may have a dead engine, so to speak, on their financial profile and turning that into something that's really going to go high speed down the financial highway so to speak. So buying a home is not the first piece of that. It's not even the second piece. You need to get cash flow in place first. Any mortgage lender is going to look for how much money do you have going in versus how much money you have going out. And if that's not solved, you're not going to be able to buy a home anyway. So that's got to be the first piece of the puzzle is getting a steady or stable employment or job situation. Then we want to start saving money because regardless of what you may hear in the media or newspaper or billboard, you can't buy a home with no money, especially today. You do need money to put down. And the higher down payment that you're going to put, the stronger of a buyer you're going to be, the more flexibility that you're going to have as well when it comes to buying a home. So you want to get that savings place in, in savings piece in place as well. We talked about that $1,000 starter emergency fund. Unfortunately, $1,000 isn't going to buy you a house, but that is that foundation. So once you have that, you start building that savings account up. We want to start looking at how much money do you need to buy a home? What should you be saving for, right? Because you need money for a down payment, but you also still need money in that emergency fund. You don't want to take money and, and drain that emergency fund or investment fund just to buy a home because then you're starting again, jump starting from scratch once again. So what I suggest is that you meet with a mortgage advisor early on, as soon as you think that buying a home could be on your radar. Maybe well, it's even six months or a year out from where you're at. They're going to be able to really step back and tell you how much money you need. But Rob, let's say you're sitting down and you're talking to somebody. I mean, what do you say to someone who feels that buying their first home is so out of reach for them? Well, what I would say is that you want to get that plan in place. You can't eat an entire cake in one bite. So you really need to step back and in this meeting with your mortgage advisor, with your real estate professional, you really need to put that plan to say, what is a realistic mortgage payment for me? What price range would that put me in? How much money do I need to save in order to get there? Because you're not going to be able to go, again, from zero to 60 in one second. It's going to take that preparation. It's going to take that timeline. So first of all, you need to change your mindset and stop being negative, stop being pessimistic. <laughs> you need to be positive and get around people that are where you want to be that can give you that motivation and, and give you that ambition to make that action plan. So I think the biggest piece of that puzzle is picking up the phone or going online and finding that person, really that advisor when it comes to the mortgage piece, that's going to help you get that game plan together. That's going to help you put that timeline together. Even if it's going to take a while, the best time to start is right now. It's better than a month from now or a year from now. I don't care how much money you're making or what you have going on. One dollar going in the right direction is getting you that much further ahead. The issue is not that we can't overcome something. It's that you don't start at the right time or early enough. So the earlier that you can start and get this plan in place, the sooner that we can actually start taking action and getting you to that goal. There's going to be volatility. There's going to be ups and downs. But if you have someone to keep you accountable, that's done this a lot, that can hold your hand, it's going to give you the confidence to get where you want to go as soon as you can. Have you ever sat and spoken to somebody who owns a home, okay, but they're having a problem getting a mortgage? It happens all the time. Yeah. I, I see people, they have a lot of equity in their home. I actually just had a lady call me this week 
and she was referred by a friend of her that's a realtor. And she said, Rob, I've gotten denied for so many mortgages, but I figured I'd give you a shot. Dawn said you were great. And she's a realtor that I do a lot of work with. So I would say the biggest piece of that puzzle is don't give up right away. Just because one lender says no doesn't mean they're all going to say no. You want to get some expert opinions about what needs to be done in order to get approved. So like we talked about on my show about mortgages getting denied and what you can do to overcome that, you want to get a couple expert opinions from lenders that have a lot of experience that can help pinpoint why can't your mortgage get approved. With this particular individual that called me, the reason was that she had no income at all. She you know, did a bunch of side gigs. She didn't report any income on her taxes, really. She was like a tarot card reader. She did Uber. She did Lyft. She did all this stuff. But on her tax return, it was actually negative for the year. So that's what we determined was her issue. And I said to her, we got two options. Option one is to get a cosigner, and option two is for you to get a full-time job. And she figured out that Cosigner wasn't an option, and she's now looking for full-time jobs because I was able to pinpoint that as her issue of getting a mortgage. She's got tons of equity in the home, like over a quarter million dollars of equity. She only needs about $50,000 to clean up all her debt and her vehicles, and we figured that by refinancing her home, she'd save over $1,000 a month, but she can't get at that money until she actually does something about it and fixes that problem. So in her case, it was income. In your case, it might be credit. Or it might be reserves or assets or something like that. Again, there's nothing that we can do to not overcome something. So no matter what you throw at me, I can come up with a solution. The only question is going to be, how much time do you have to implement that solution? So you come up with a plan. And I've heard you say this in the past. It could be something as simple as your credit score isn't being low. Hey, listen, you can put a plan into place and four or five, maybe six months later, boy, they just boosted their their credit score from something that they would cause them to get denied for a mortgage to something that will get them approved, right? Absolutely. And a a really interesting uh, story comes to mind real quick because I know we're limited on time, but I had a gentleman contact me in January to refinance an investment property. I looked at his credit and determined it was way too low. Like he was in the 500s, not going to work for an investment property. But I analyzed his credit and I have some software I use to help me pinpoint what to do. And I told him some specific credit cards to pay down. He did that and it didn't take six or nine months. It was 60 days from when I talked to him until we re-pulled a new credit report and his credit went from the mid 500s to the mid 600s in 60 days. And it was simply by saying, pay these couple credit cards off. He had no idea what to do or how to do it. We put that plan in play. He implemented, and then we were able to move forward. And it was before there was a dramatic increase in rates. So he saved tens of thousands of dollars just by making that phone call. A hundred points in two months. That's incredible, Rob. This is why you are so successful in doing what you do. Folks, uh, a couple of things. Number one, if you've got a question for Rob, uh, not even necessarily a personal question, But a question that maybe you'd like to have answered right here on this very show, on these airwaves, let me give you this email address. I want you to email um, Rob at MortgageMattersRadioShow at gmail.com. Again, MortgageMattersRadioShow at gmail.com. Of course, if you're looking for more information on this topic or any of the other topics that we discuss on this show, simply go to his website, www.robgw.com. Again, it's robgw.com. And again, as I always say, if you want to make an appointment, and why wouldn't you, 
I will set up an appointment ASAP. Write this phone number down, 860-413-3938. Again, I'll say it again. I'll say it slower. Write it down. Call as soon as you can. Make the appointment. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next weekend. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.